Welcome to Redeemed Meditations. I am your host, Thomas Sandow, and we have another guest with us. He's been here before, but it's been a while. Don't you uh don't you introduce yourself again? In case that that you know nobody knows who 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 you are anymore, nephew. Well, honestly, you just said my name, so <laughs> so you pulled a rabbit out of the hat. Pulled the well, well. I mean, maybe nobody knew what I was saying saying because I didn't start off with with the uh, with the uh, kind of Bond villain type, the Mister Steel. Mr. Steele. Yeah, well, like, um, I'm nephew. Um, I reside in Ireland, and this is can't remember. I think this is probably my sixth time on this show. No, I think it's my fourth. No, no, but no, no, yes, no it's um, past fourth. We, I think, because you are on for the whole charismatic ser- series. This is your sixth time. There, there were five episodes, right? Then I was correct. I was correct when I yeah. didn't know I was correct. Yeah. Which is crazy. You All shouldn't right, second so. guess yourself, everybody. That's the moral of this this uh, podcast right, right right here. And that's the show, everybody. Yes. So this is my sixth time. Um, I took a little break because um, I just had to uh, sort out some personal stuff and things like that so well, on top, top of that there's a bit of a time difference yes there is and um <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still struggling with that <laughs> but um anytime i get the opportunity um it's 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 always a blessing it's always great um to break bread to go through the scriptures um so i'm looking forward to what we can achieve on this episode and talk about something that's central to our faith, something that displays the grace of God um, to such a degree that all we can do is stand in absolute awe of who God is and what he has achieved. You know what I mean? And we hope that it'll glorify God and God will so move and those that listen to it, um, that that those that are not saved, God will open their hearts and they become um, believers. And those who are saved will be able to stand on this um, doctrine and be able to explain it, um, especially to those within who claim they are within our circle, but reject this um, doctrine. And this doctrine, as you may or may not know um is within the atone tone atonement dog doctrines i know things might seem a little academic right now because we have you know i've talked about christology and then what makes up an ology is all the doctrines inside of it but inside of those doctrines are different theories and motifs that build your view upon the doc doctrine that influences your your uh, your um, idea on your Christology, your theology, your eschatology, your whatever it is. And now we're getting it. We we've talked about the doctrine of the atonement. We've seen how 
this is an essential doctrine and seeing this thread throughout scripture that the atonement is a important thing and then um now we get into the different motifs the different theories about the atonement and the first one and i i believe that this is the most foremost in in motifs and theories upon the atonement and that is penal substitutionary atonement i know i said that really fast so nephew let's uh let's hear an irish guy say it (laughs) that's not gonna happen because like i stutter so i'm probably gonna be worse off than you like you you stutter you stutter yeah i stutter really bad like (laughs) when whenever i'm checking to see if the audio actually ripped to the to from from the uh, skype recording onto going on the anchor i'm caught like i i just wait to hear if there's a voice on there and i don't even listen to the rest of it because i'm afraid i'm gonna hear myself stutter I've never listened to a podcast over again because I, you know what, I was there when I stuttered the first time. I don't need to hear it again. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh, anyways, yes. So, penal, as in penalty, substitutionary atonement. So, nephew, if you were to give a quick definition of penal substitutionary atonement, what would you say that 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 definition would be? Um, at its most basic level, like it is someone stepping in and paying the debt on your behalf. When when you are the offender, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's just what it is at its most basic. And it's most and, um, basic. Yeah. Um, we can take a look at that from the Old Testament, especially during the day of um, atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an animal was used. And then um, the people put their hands on the animal to indicate that they're they are they associate with that animal and their sins have been passed on to that animal. This is mm. what present in the Old Testament. And that is what and every sacrifice every year was pointing towards a sacrifice that would be absolutely perfect and efficacious, not just for the um Jews at that time, but also for any person who would believe centuries after the resurrection of Christ. So it's it's efficacious both in the past and in the present. Mm-hmm. And what Nephew is talking about there is what Chris and I actually talked about in the first episode, which goes back to Leviticus 16, the Day of Atonement. And more specifically, the... Uh, the day that 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 is and actually i think you would probably call it more of an an event 
that is happening there is is called Yom Kippur. That is correct. Yom Kippur. So we have this this idea of now there was different sin offerings throughout scripture. Um but none of those were the kind of Yom Kippur. Um those were done for, you know, um I I don't know. Um though 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 those were done to show sorrow, grief, um repentance. Repent, but Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, was much different because it had to do with the atoning of sin, the the reconciling with God, reconciling um, His people back with Him, and okay. and so there's a reason why the bull and the and the and the two goats are so different from the rest of the sin offerings. We really don't have time to get into that right now. Maybe someday nephew and I will go down a huge rabbit trail with uh, with all of the uh, Old Te- Testament sacrifices and worship, but that's not for this episode, everybody. But if we go, we actually see this, again, this idea, this thread, this motif, this theory of stepping into one's place, this substitutionary um, atonement prophesied in Isaiah Isaiah 53. And starting in verse 4, Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, and or upon him was the chastisement that brought 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 us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We are healed. And that is, if you can't think of that, if you're still thinking of bulls and goats and all this sort of stuff then uh, you may not have read the Gospels correctly. Like Isaiah specifically, vividly, detailedly, just explicitly talking of Jesus Christ. And yes, that is, that is unmistakably clear. And where we find... The substitution, I mean, we, we find this all over the place, but he was pierced for our iniquities and crushed for for our transgressions. That, that says that we were the ones that were supposed to be pierced. That we were the ones that were supposed to get get crushed because they were our transgressions. Yes. Exactly. And even if we were, and even if God were to somehow um, present the opportunity for us to pick somebody, or if we were supposed to live up to a certain point, and then we paid for our sins, it still would not be enough. Because 
we are inherently evil. We don't commit sin. First, we call sinners. We are sinners, so therefore we commit sin. So even if we had the opportunity to to um, pay for our sins, it wouldn't be enough. All that will happen is that um, the population of man will drastically get lower and lower because at a certain point, man will um, present himself for, for sacrifice and it won't be sufficient and it will just keep going on and on until there's no one left and then God has to um, kick up the, the, um, the circle again that you can understand why um, man um, presenting himself would not work in terms of redeeming himself because man is inherently evil. So this is the reason why Isaiah is pointing to a perfect sacrifice that will meet God's um, standard simultaneously um, give us a righteousness that we do not have, not even in a million years. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, the more you dig into, just like, you know, ultimately, when you're talking of the atonement, you're talking of Christology. You're talking about the study of Christ. And a lot of these doctrines bleed over into the, to, to, to themselves. And one of the things that nephew's talking about here is he's he's starting to get into and hinting at jesus's nature as being fully man and fully god because of the fact that our our that we being finite, mortal, sinful beings, there is not a single bit of us that could ever um, be a payment for sin. Not, not at all. We can't, we can't pay for our sin. I mean, John Piper, I, I think, is the one who has the, the quote of how can jesus in the matter of six hours pay the 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 price for my sin that would have took me an eternity to do well how is it that jesus can do that well because he's eternal he's god he's not like us he's he's god and not and so Yes, he's man, and he had to had had to be because he he had to bleed and he had to die. But he had to be God because man alone cannot take the wrath of God, and that's actually what we're talking about about here. If we can just kind of step aside a little bit from from talk, talking about. Um, the blood and the, while the blood is very important, the greatest suffering Christ took was not in the whipping, was not in the crown of thorns, it was not in the beatings. It was in the wrath being poured out on him from God. You know, I got I got asked one time in a class. 
why was it that Jesus' death had to be so bloody? Like, why couldn't it just been like the other ones, like the other? Because Jesus' crucifixion was not like the other crucifixions. You know, Jesus was flogged and hit with canes and beat until he didn't even look like a person anymore. But an idea came in my mind that perhaps Jesus' death had to be so bloody was to show that even all this physical harm that was coming to him, the thing that Jesus was sweating drops of blood about in the Garden of Gethsemane was drinking the cup of God's wrath. Yeah. And so so that is actually where this 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 whole thing is he- heading towards. We can see now why Hebrews 10 is true that the blood of bulls and goats can't ever take away or atone for sin. It's because, well, bulls and goats, they're not people. They can't sin, you know? They, they yeah. don't have, they're not made in the image of God. And a, an image bearer had to take an image, has to take an image bearer's place. And yes, Jesus, is, I'm not trying to say Jesus' blood is not important because it is. And we see that every time we take communion. Yes, we do. But Pilate whipping him was not the wrath of God, at least in my opinion. The wrath of now, God came. Well, go. Now, like I'm just saying that um, if if you follow the um, narrative uh, of of the gospel, it seemed to suggest um, that Pilate decided um, to have Jesus whipped to satisfy um, the Pharisees. Um, seemingly thirst for blood because he knew that they were jealous of Christ, but um, the actual flogging was not sufficient. They wanted him dead. That's right. Um, and you know, none of that, none of the, none of that was really, yeah. I, I feel like both of what we're talking about with the with the physical pain that Jesus went through, along with bearing and drinking the cup of wrath from God, both of those are actually two sides of the same coin. But I think of because of movies like The Passion, we tend to focus a lot only on the physical. And I, I just felt like we, I just feel like we really need to make make it known that it is the fact that God, or that, that yeah, God, but that God the Son took the wrath of God the Father Father for His people. That 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 is the atonement. Absolutely, yeah. So, um. So, we got this text in Isaiah, 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 
let's uh let's move to the gospels nephew is there any verses in the gospels that support this um this kind of motif of of penal substitutionary atonement uh we have mark 10 45 um Sorry, my phone's gone off there. Yeah, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This mm. is Jesus' words. And it's so good. Yeah, and there's so much truth in that because essentially this is the reason why he came. He came to um, ransom his elect, he ransom his chief um, from the death of um, sin, following in the pattern which was set um, in the Old Testament. So he is the actual fulfillment of that. This is the perfect um, sacrifice. This is God selecting for himself an offering that will be suitable and acceptable for the the appropriation um, that he has set forth, that would be the perfect um, offering. Absolutely. And I think so. We're going to spend a little bit more time in the Gospels, but but we were talking about this before uh, doing our little pre-show. Um, we're actually going to spend most of our time in the epistles um where where the uh the apostles are just blatantly setting out the the necessity for for bearing one another's or someone else's sin upon themselves for that other per, per person and i think one of the best verses that explains that is found in uh in uh in first john it's uh it's it's a uh, first john 2 2 he meaning G jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not only not only ours but also for the sins of the whole whole world now um i i just want to go ahead and say i pulled that text to talk about this word propitiation we're gonna get into the extent of of the atone, atonement um for our last episode for all you know so for all of you that want to know what i meant by world and what what i think john means by world world there you're gonna have to pay attention and tune in to the last episode but but this word propitiation now the elect standard version decided it was good to keep propitiation in Script, 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 scripture, and nephew, I believe your non-Arminian stance, stance, standard also felt, felt, felt that way too. 
nephew, why if someone's reading uh, an NIV or or I don't even know some of the you know NLT, some of the other translations out there, why wouldn't they want to find this word propitiation? What what does this word mean? Basically, um, it just means um, it carries the basic idea of um, appeasement or satisfaction, especially towards God. So essentially what that means is that Jesus Christ did not pay a debt to Satan. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Debt was owed to God. So God essentially <laughs> paid the debt, and through that debt he offered, he brought salvation for his elect. Which, That's good. If, if you think about it, it, it is the perfect sacrifice because no man is worthy of that. No man can pay for another another's debt. God is not requiring blood without sacrifice. God is not requiring us to send our children, make our children walk in the fire or anything like that. He came down and paid the perfect um, sacrifice for us. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, um, and th- this is something that that we've been talk- talking about a lot. I mean, this is a this is a huge thing that we even find in reform circles that for some re- reason we need to keep throwing our hands up and going, God, I surrender all. I surrender this. I'm sacrificing all all this, and you know, um, God doesn't want that. God doesn't want your sacrifices. He provided it for himself. You know, um, you, you know, the is, yeah, that, that's not, that's not, um, that's not what God, God, God wants. God, God doesn't desire your, um, your, your, your own sacrifice, fight, fight, he doesn't desire you to sacrifice time to to pray for 10 hours a day. He doesn't he doesn't desire your sacrifice of fasting. You know, he doesn't desire your sacrifice of of um of of giving up I I I don't know whatever you you think you idolize. He doesn't desire desire that. You know, he <laughs> He uh, he he desires you to have faith and rest in him. Yes, in his finished Be- work. Yes, because there's nothing that you can do now, or in a million lifetimes, that could even touch right. the speck of what Christ has done. So you are to live in appreciation of that. Right, and and. You know, it, it, it's a str- struggle. I mean, guys, if you guys want a really good, like, and I mean a really good resource on kind of the things I'm talking about and net, 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 nephews talking about with this, uh, God doesn't want your sacrifices, especially when we talk about the reform community, 
head over to Theocast. They just dropped two really good episodes on um, on the Lordship Controversy. Um, two amazing episodes. Um, I, I highly recommend you guys um, um, what or not what what watching but listening to those those two episodes on uh, the lordship con, con controversy sorry to all the arthritis out there right well, you know like um, i'm just going to just going to undergird that by quoting something from gk berkowitz he said the essence of christian theology is grace and the essence of christian ethics is what gratitude so we live our lives um undergirded by one simple thing gratitude mm. so as That's... we do as what paul said in romans 12 we live our lives a living sacrifice we're doing it from the point of of gratitude mm. that because of what god has done for us we can now do this we can now have fellowship with our fellow um, brothers and sisters on, in Christ. Um, we can live a Christian life, even in the midst of a perverse um, generation. And when we encounter difficulties or a series of difficulties, um, we can look to Christ for grace. Um, we can look to Christ for joy and essentially um, strength because they're coming from a place of absolute gratitude for what christ has done for us the atonement was so secure so vast so wide that it is eternal i came to give them life eternal life i came that you may have life and have it abundantly the greek word every time it's used in the Epistle, it relates to eternal life. How is that possible? Penal substitutionary atonement. You cannot escape it. Yeah. That's that's be beautiful, man. I mean, when you're talking about that, um, you know, this grace and gratitude thing, I, I can't help but think of, uh, you know, some of the... Um, the the confessions like the heidelberg that um heidelberg. you know kind of like the uh you know they really talk talking about you know it's just our guilt his grace our gratitude and it's just this complete reminder that when we're guilty we're reminded of this grace and we should just it should just pour gratitude out 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 of us yeah now if we could Let's talk about one of the main ver ver verses. Oh my days! On, um, on penal substitutionary atonement, and that is Galatians three thirteen. I don't mean to. Some, um, some, I don't mean to alarm anybody, but my tea's cold. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so bad. <laughs> you know what the good thing about coffee is? It tastes good cold. 
I can't imagine that is true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully this will uh, warm up uh, nephew's tea a little bit. But, but, jeez, I'm trying to get serious here. I don't mean to alarm anybody. That's going on the first redeemed meditation shirt. I don't mean to alarm anybody, but my tea's getting cold. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, all right. Galatians 3, 13. If any of you are, are, um, are RC Sproul fans, um, you know about this verse. It's from the first together for the gospel. And, and uh, RC Sproul preached on the curse motif of the atonement out of this verse. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged from a tree. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Yes. This right here is substitutionary atonement. It is. A couple more verses, but... Christ redeemed us from the curse. How did he do that? By becoming a curse for us. Who should have been cursed? Us. But Christ did it for us. In our stead. And then he quotes Deuteronomy. Cursed is everybody who hang, hang, hang from a tree. Yes. Absolutely, yes. That's true. So, nephew, what does it mean that Christ became a curse? What does it mean for God to curse someone? Well, we can take a look at it from Deuteronomy. um, No, number six. Number six twenty four. Number six twenty four, and I read, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Now, to, to be cursed by God is the opposite of all of those things. So, essentially. Um, on the cross, Christ bore the wrath of God for his elect. So, in a sense, um, he was cursed for our transgressions, as it is said eloquently by Isaiah in the 53rd um, chapter. So, 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 just, just to be, be clear, 
to be cursed is to bear the wrath of God. Yeah. And if we could just go down, mostly because somehow Nephew and I aren't running short on time this time. But <laughs> let's go down a small rat, 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 rabbit hole. What is the wrath of God? And where where do we experience it? The wrath of God. Well, I, um, if we have to talk about the wrath of God, um, we have to take a look at it from what is the love and peace of God, which um, Moses stated in Numbers um, 6, 24 to 27, the verse that I just read, is for God to express goodwill towards you. The wrath would be the exact opposite. And it's not um, capricious. It's not venting. It's not a rageaholic. It's not blowing his top off, right? It is wrath based on a standard and a justice that has been violated. Not only has it been violated, but his patience in enduring said insolence has exceeded. And therefore, because he is righteous and holy and the standard needs to be met, he has to punish said individual. Therefore, unleashing his wrath on that individual. Bear in mind that Christ said that um, when in his discourse with the um, Pharisees in the closing chapters of Matthew, he said that um, he would continue to send prophets to them, filling up their cup of wrath. Once that reaches its brim, they will be forced to drink it. And we see this motif that were your words in the and the book of Revelation, where God will pour out his cup of wrath unmixed. I mean there's no mercy, there's no grace. It's pure wrath. Calculated, justified wrath. I mean, for goodness sake, um, God waited 400 years before he exacted, enacted justice on the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. Through nowhere, he offered grace to the people before he rained down um, the flood. Yeah. So all through redemptive history, we see snippets of this. Yet man still has the audacity to twist his mouth and disrespect God and then turn around and say, God should just be merciful. Are you serious? Like, mm. you know what I mean, so that's what the wrath of God is. It's not just God blowing his, his head off and just smashing people like, like there is a reason. Mm -hmm. Like God is love. Absolutely. God is patient. Beyond comprehension. Mm -hmm. 
but there is a limit. Absolutely. I mean, the Bible says, yeah, in the book of Hebrews, states it's a dangerous thing to fall into the hands of Yahweh. Yeah, the living it God. Yeah. So, so that is the wrath. We know what the wrath of God is. The wrath of God has been poured out, like poured out, not just experienced, in two major places in Scripture. One being the cross. Where is that second place? Where God pours out his, his wrath. Can you repeat the question? Sorry. So we've talked, talked about God pouring out his wrath. Yeah. On Cal- Calvary on the cross. For God's pe- people. Mm-hmm. Where. Where. Where do we see again another outpouring of God's wrath where basically judgment is is being done? Well, it was at the cross, right? And yep. then in the Old Testament, it was during the flood. And then during we the have flood. It, and then we have it in... The narrative of Lot. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, those are pictures of Sodom and Gomorrah, the uh, the uh, the flood, um, I mean, even the uh, the plagues in Exodus are all yes. picture of of hell. And I think a lot of times in America, I mean, I remember it being pretty shattering for me when I found out that, like, hey, um, hell isn't the absence of God. Like, God is present. And what he is doing is he's pouring out his wrath. Yeah. And I think um, there is, and I think there is this um, idea that if you go to hell, you're being punished by um, by demons. By Satan. Yeah. By Satan, the demons. Yeah. I'm not sure where that came from, man. Whatever sin you were oh, committing. Oh, dude, that came from right? cartoon. Man. That came. That came from watching SpongeBob and The Simpsons. You know, know, that came from secularization. Wow, I can't say that word. Secularization. Yeah, what nephew said. (laughs) Um, Of these deep doctrines that we felt like we needed to dumb down because uh, we can't make it seem like God pours out his wrath. On people, let's have the de- let's have it be the devil's fault. Let's save God's character, and let's let's let it be the devil's fault. We'll talk more about this when we talk about ransom theory. theory, theory um, when we talk about the ransom mo- motif, but 
but this is what it means to ultimately what it means to be cursed to have god's wrath upon you yeah and there are there are two ways either way your sin has to be dealt with your sin will either be dealt with in judgment on the cross and it has already been dealt with or it has to be dealt dealt, dealt with in eternity and, and it won't be another created being like Satan or his de- de- demons pouring that wrath upon you because they will be in torment as well. Right. And if I could just make a footnote on just piggybacking on what you just said, something that I think is really, really staggering. Matthew 5. This is our Lord speaking. He said, make friends quickly with your opponents at law while you are with them on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you'd be thrown into prison. Barely, barely, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Mm. Now that is an amazing statement. What that means essentially is Christ is your advocate. Make peace with Christ right now, or you will have to be, or you'll be forced to pay for your debt in hell for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, I mean, staggering, so so sobering words. Yeah, it is. And. To drive it home that our sin needed to be paid, paid, paid for, that there needed to be, that the sin, the sin can't go out unpunished. You know, there, there, there's like this big thing, almost an extreme straw man, our argument that, um, that, that a lot of progressives use for, for, um, Atonement and especially this this penal substitutionary atonement, which would be um, well, couldn't God just decide not to be, you know, judge and wrathful and not? Couldn't he just decide he didn't want the sins to be paid for? Well, I mean, sure. However, God also can't do anything outside of his character. So I'm not even sure he could. I don't want to say God can't do anything. But God also will not go against what his character is. And his character is that he is just and he is holy and he is graceful, graceful and he is good. Yes, but and he needs the, that justice still needs to be exercised. Could you imagine, nephew, is every time you made a mistake or disobeyed your parents in any sort 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 of way or disobeyed any sort of authority figure God's put o- o- over you, 
that it was just kind of a um yeah, you did this wrong, but you know, you don't you don't have to face any repercussions for it. You'd keep doing it. Yeah. Okay. The sin still has to be dealt, 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 dealt with. If though they would not actually be just or good or loving to you if that is not dealt dealt with, if that disobedience would not be dealt with. Exactly. But and, God is um, good. Yeah. And he is just. Exactly. And he um, go 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 ahead, man. No, no, no. Go ahead, sorry. Okay. And the sin must be dealt with. And so it is either dealt with on the cross or it's dealt with any turn, 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 eternity. And this is how it was dealt with on the cross. We find in Second Corinthians five twenty-one, just the most after the most beautiful display of being compelled by the gospel. Paul clo- closes with this: For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Christ knew no sin. He lived the life that we could not live so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ came and took our sins in a way that, that Paul described that he even became our sins. And he bore those upon us. Or he bore he bore our sins upon himself. So much though, like think about this. If you're listening to this and you don't know, you don't know that Christ bore your sin, and you are starting to have a stirring. I want you to think about the fact that. Christ bore every one of your sins and knew each one of them intimately. Mm-hmm. Knew exactly what you were going to do. And no matter how heinous they were, he still was compelled to stay upon the cross. Because yeah. the Father said, He's mine. I've set him aside. You are his shepherd. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So. Um, now, before we move on to the next part, I want to read a, a quote. It's pretty lengthy, right? Um, it's by Derek Kirschmawe. He, it's from his website, 19 Objections to the PCA, and he, he's writing in defense of penal substitutionary uh, atonement. And he he writes something that I think um, resonates with what um, 2 Corinthians 5.21 states. He says, quote, um, The cross is where God makes that sin punished and yet still forgives sinners by not making them suffer for sins themselves. Penal substitutionary atonement is not a denial that God it's not a denial that God forgives, but an explanation of how God forgives justly. 
It is how he, as king of the universe, goes about lovingly forgiving his enemies who deserve judgment. He suffers the judgment in himself. Once again, this whole explanation is articulated within the Trinitarian framework, which the Father, Son, and Spirit are all cooperating in it to achieve the atonement. The Father is not pit against the Son because the Father sends the Son in love, and the Son, out of love, voluntarily comes in the Spirit to offer up his life in our place. The Son's suffering judgment on the cross is God forgiving us. Close quote. End the story. Mic drop. Close the show. Go home. <laughs> well, we still have two things to talk about, ne- 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 nephew. Really? So, really. <laughs> they're just really quick. Um, and they're just basically weird arguments. Um, that those opposed to this theory, this motif have put out so we have seen that scripture clearly states the case for penal substitutionary atonement we don't um if you listen to our biblical theology episode of this chad and i really trace out the need for the reconciliation but not only reconciliation but the substitutionary reconciliation all throughout scripture. Yes. <clears throat> now, there is a quick one and a little bit of a um, a harder one. The quick one is, well, if you view the atonement in this way, then basically you're affirming cosmic child abuse. Nephew, what would you say say to that? I need to pick my drawer off off the ground first. Nice. But that goes back to what Derek said. It's not cosmic child abuse. Christ was not a um a victim. Um Matthew chapter one verse twenty one. Gabriel told Joseph that your son will be named Jesus and he'll die. For the sins of his people. So right from the annunciation to the resurrection, it was Christ's purpose to come and to die. So it wasn't child abuse. This goes back to what I said earlier. Christ is not a rageaholic. This is what um, the folks from Defend and Confirm podcast use. Um, now they did an episode on penal substitution. Um, atonement and they were talking about an individual who was against penal substitutionary atonement and the person stated that god is a rageaholic and so this is where that child cognitive child abuse um comes from they see god as a rageaholic therefore he's abusing his child but that's not the case christ willingly came to the cross i lay my life down for my sheep. It's not a child abuse if the person willingly um, lays down his life for the purpose of redeeming um, his elect. Plus, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. If that's the case, 
why would it be child abuse? Mm. It's also hard to make it child abuse when you freely go. Exactly. Like, they ignore that elephant in the room. The elephant is big and pink. Right. You know, um, I mean, and, um, you know, with Christ being willing to go, um, I mean, I really hate to get into a weird Trinitarian thing. But I mean, this this flies into the face of anything um, um, EFS. Mm. Yeah, and we don't have time for that. But this flies in the face of that. Christ didn't have a separate will. This this was his will. This this is this is this is yes. There is the Garden of Gethsemane, but we have to take into account the hyperstatic union that's going on there. The 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 fully percent man and the fully percent God. Yes, going on there. We have to understand stand that. Okay, that has more to do with that than it does. Jesus being eternally begotten. Okay. Um, has nothing to do with the son ha- having a separate will from the fa- father. I mean, it's just ridiculous to me. Read uh, Matthew Barrett's new, new, new book, Simply Trinity. Just do it. Anyways, um, back to our ske- schedule, um, you know, our scheduled program, programming. Um, Last before we do that, John oh. six thirty-eight. Right. John six thirty-eight, right? Okay. I, I am fully awake now. <laughs> John six thirty-eight. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, from the onset it seems as if Christ has his own will that he chose to acquiesce the father's will for whatever reason that's not the case in order for christ to state and undergird his desire to do the father's will he had to express that statement in the negative Mm. that's you know what i mean so it it should not be seen as well i didn't really want to come down so but i'm here now so Let's get it over with, lads. No. <laughs> right. No. Right. All right. Last que- question, man. Um, there is a – the first time that I heard this kind of come up was in a, um, in a song that came out when I was in middle school. Um, and it spoke of G- Jesus' death as a – Self-righteous suicide. Oh, I think something inside me just died. Um, how would you explain explain that? Like, um, this is different from calling the cross cosmic child abuse. But what would your what would your response be to someone who talks as if G- G- Jesus committed suicide upon the cross or or um 
or that this was some sort of self-righteous act. Okay, so if it's a self-righteous act, for what cause? Hmm. I mean, there has to be a cause, right? There has to be a reason, right? It's not just going to go on a cross and just die like. What was the reason? If you Hmm. can't give me a justified reason, then that's just as bad as mushroom soup. Mm. There isn't one. He came to die for his sheep, to mm-hmm. redeem them. In accordance with the Father's plan. Mm. What happened at the cross is the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3. All the sacrifices, everything in the Old Testament pointed ahead to this very moment. How could you open the pages of the Bible, first page of Genesis, all the way to Revelation, and then come out and say, it's the self. I don't even remember the the phrase because it's so ridiculous. (laughs) Self-righteous suicide. Yeah, self-righteous suicide. It is absolutely ridiculous. It, I mean, yeah. Has to. yeah. Um, what makes Jesus laying his life down different from suicide, like we see with, um, like we see with Saul, like we see with, um, with uh, Jew- Judas, and even, um, you know, I- I'm going to go out and say it like we see with Samson. Right. Well, Saul was not righteous. Neither was Samson. And they well, died. I mean, we'll, for... we'll see Sam- Samson in the kingdom. But well, I mean, what I mean that he had no—that is true. Okay, so let me um. He's kind of there by the uh, skin of his teeth. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. But what sets these people apart from Christ is that Christ was absolutely sinless, and Christ was not dying for himself. Like he committed no sin whatsoever. He was dying for the sins of others. Um, Saul killed himself because he knew that if he was caught by his enemies, they would desecrate him. What of what, what Judas, though? Judas... Judas did not seek forgiveness. Judas, you need to take a look at Judas's um, suicide scene with um, Esau. 
after he realized what he he did, uh, mistakes in I think it's in Hebrews, he sought his repentance in tears but couldn't find it. Mm. Which suggests that it was earthly sorrow, not heavenly sorrow, seeking for um, forgiveness from God. That's good, man. Oh, man. But that, that, that is a tricky one, though, because you kind of have to sit down and look at each individual in light of who Christ is. Mm. And I can see how someone um, would make a statement like that, that Christ's death on the cross was, was suicide. But that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I, I think you touched on a really good point there, the fact that, um, um, you know, leave the self-righteous thing out out, out of it. Uh, most of the time that we see, we see the fact, you know, with, with that's a self-righteous suicide was that Christ did it to glorify himself. Well, uh, if Christ isn't glorifying himself, for, firstly, um, who would you have him glorify? You? You're not worth I know, it. But, but yeah. Christ was glorifying so, God at that mm-hmm. moment, saying that God's standard for righteousness and holiness should not be taken down to accommodate man. Right, right. That's and how so, you must look at it. And so, I mean, I guess that just shows like how hardened of a heart that was to come up with a lyric like that. But I have seen, you know, that, you know, G- Jesus did commit suicide. Well, if that's the case, then Jesus can't be sinless. So I think again, we have to we have to look at the complete otherness. That this was a complete perfect. This was a sacrifice. This was not a. I mean, the closest thing that I could think of is. You know, um, jump in front of a bullet for somebody else. Um, the guys, the guys in the World War Two mo- movies that you see the the grenade go, and the guy jumps on top of it so it doesn't get everyone else. Um, nobody wants to call that suicide. Everybody would say, well, he sacrificed himself and he laid his life down for his friends. But for some re- re- reason, you want to attribute suicide that, that, that pretty much just on a much purer and larger scale. You want to attribute that to Christ on the cross. Romans 5 verse 7. Reading from the elect standard version just to make Thomas Ooh, happy. Nice. Yay. For Take one that, Chris. For one would scarcely <laughs> die for a righteous person. Though so perhaps for a good so person sorry, one would even die. <laughs> All right, let me open, open the full verse. <laughs> Hold on. Sorry, the ESV did not work for me. So I'm going to go back to my non-Amenian standard. 
For one will yes. hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare to even die. But God, underline that, demonstrated his love towards us, underline that, and that while we were yet sinners, underline that, Christ died for us, underline that. Mm. Yeah, and I think that really sums thing, things up with the uh, with our penal substitutionary atonement motif, the curse motif. Um, you know, um, to to sum, 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 sum it up, um, Christ took our place on the cross died for our sins we don't say that to make you feel guilty we don't say that to make you feel bad about yourself um we say that to show you how much how how much you we all are in need of a savior because again what what took christ six hours to accomplish for all his elect will take you an eternity to pay for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, nephew, any clo- clo- closing remarks? Um. This is a doctrine that is central <clears throat> to our faith. Um, it's the, one of the greatest expression of the grace and mercy of God. Um, God was under no compulsion to redeem us. Yet he did. It also mm. highlights the faithfulness of God. God made this promise in Genesis 3. And all through our redemptive history, he has done everything. Um, He has maintained that faithfulness to that promise. And it culminated in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. To see that and then to rejected while simultaneously um, holding on to the, the forgiveness of sin without acknowledging the way in which it was it was wrought as, as wrong. It's not mm-hmm. child abuse. It's justice. Mm-hmm. It's not how to control justice. It's it's bona fide justice meted out on Christ on your behalf. And Christ was able to absolve that in six hours, not only for those that were present, but also for those before the cross, after the cross, even centuries after the resurrection of Christ. I mean, when you once you look at that from the full picture, you can understand and appreciate this. Um, Atonement. It, it it's so vast that 
all you can do is stand back in awe of who God is and what God has done for you. So I just hope that um, they can just go over this doctrine again and hopefully God opens their eyes to see it in a different light. Yes. Oh, nephew, that was one. I think this is our shortest episode you and I have ever done. And um, two, really, man, it was good talking with you again, man. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, this is good. Like, um, I'm really, I really miss this, um, this, this dialogue, um, breaking of bread, um, going through doctrines and talking about God. Um, it, it's been a while. Um, and I'm so glad that I got the opportunity uh, to jump on this and I'm looking forward to more of it. By God's oh, grace. Yeah. Yeah, guys, if, uh, listen, if you enjoy uh, Nephew on the show, do one of two, two, two things. Try to convince him, and I guess myself too, to let him be my co-host here, and he'll be here every single week. Or, better yet, convince him to make his own show. (laughs) So, um, cause, uh, no, on option two. I need it. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll be able to hold my own share on my own, but maybe a co-host would be good. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, maybe. But anyways, guys, guys, that is a show. Um, yeah. About two announcements. Now, now, announcements. And yes, I do the announcements at the end of the show because I. I want you to wait until the end to know the exciting things. One, Redeem Meditations has its own Facebook, or not Facebook, uh, Instagram page now. Who has a Facebook page anymore? Um, <laughs> I do. I'm old. But it has its own Instagram page. If you listen to the show, go there. Follow, follow, follow the page. We're going to have a lot of more news on, on there. I'm going to try to use that as another medium to get some content out there. However, the podcast right now is going to be your main source of content from us. Number two, Redeem Meditations is doing his first ever giveaway at the end of this series i am still trying to figure out how i'm going to determine a winner how people be able to to enter um but i already have the prize prizes i'll be giving away a book uh we'll be getting a nice little uh roast of something from coronado coffee because they are amazing guys if you're not drinking coronado coffee you are wrong okay Drink some of their coffee. It's amazing. And not only that, they're just as passionate as they're just as passionate as anyone is about getting the God, God, God gospel out. Go check out their um, their their website. There's a whole section on what is the gospel. It's a truly humble pe- 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 people. Um, and then. There is going to be a little bit of a, uh, I don't even know if I can say, yeah, but I'm going to, um, 
a little bit of a one-time only um, um, undying light and redeem meditations uh, collaboration with swag. So I believe there will be a shirt, possibly at least a uh, coffee mug. So be looking out for for um, how to in- enter this giveaway. Again, I've never done this before, but if you are, you know, I guarantee there is going to be people who want these things, especially the book that I'm giving away. Nephew knows what it is, but I'm not letting him leak the beans on it yet. So, um, guys, that is a show, and we will see you next time. Thank you very much, and God bless y'all.